Welcome to Descoped, the payment security podcast, the go-to show from VGS for fintech product builders and leaders. You're about to hear a conversation from experts in payments, issuing, and data security, sharing their best practices and real-world experiences. Let's dive in. Hello, hello, and welcome to Descoped. I'm Megan Powers, part of the awesome marketing team at VGS, and I am really excited for the show today. We have two powerful women in the industry with our guests on this episode have been awarded the Inspiring Fintech Female Award, among others. So we thought they were the perfect women to have on together as we're about to close out Women's History Month. Welcome to the show, Syra Rahman and Christina Cheravalli. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. I'm excited. Very good. All right. And I know I'm going to see at least one of you at a FinTech meetup, Christina, right? Well, we will um, take a selfie and actually we'll, we'll try to remember to take a picture today too as well. Um, a little behind the scenes action. All right. Let me read your bios. Christina works in the go-to-market team at Unit, where she focuses on strategic partnerships and enterprise clients. She also works at This Week in FinTech, helping to build the largest global fintech community. Christina started her career on Wall Street, working at Goldman Sachs and BlackRock before she pivoted to fintech and joined Plaid's GTM team in San Francisco, where she spent several years. Christina was recognized for her work as a leader in the fintech community by being named an inspiring fintech female by NYC Fintech Women in 2020 and 2022. She currently resides in New York City and enjoys advising and investing in startups, overpaying for boutique fitness classes, cooking up new recipes for friends, and connecting good people with each other. And we'll talk a little bit about that on this show. Syra Rahman is currently the VP of New Investor Initiatives at Fundrise, where she is building new fintech products for the Alts platform. Prior to this, she was the VP of Finance at HM Bradley, a consumer neobank. Syra was also the co-host of the viral podcast, Girls Just Want to Have Funds, where she spent time discussing the nuance behind financial literacy. Before entering the world of fintech, Syra spent 11 years working in derivative sales and trading. In her spare time, Syra loves to spend time with her family and make art. I love that. All right. So I like to start with kind of a broader view. Um, And so partnerships really have the ability to help organizations move forward together rather than having everyone try to go at 100% alone. Of course, two companies working together to help one customer as an example of that. So which could really speak to the power of community within the data payments and fintech space. So I'll start with Syra. Your organization has an investor community and you're also part of the broader fintech community. So what are your thoughts on the power of partnerships and the importance of community and business? I mean, I think it's an integral part of not only being able to grow your investor base from our perspective, but also just having the support of your peers and your colleagues. So I know one of the things that we're contemplating are fintech products that would align really well with UNIT. And the only reason I know UNIT is because of people like Christina and like being at events, hanging out with those people and becoming friends with them outside of just the work arena. So so much of our ecosystem in fintech is really built on this like foundational grounding of 
not only who do you know, but like, who do you like? And who who have you already built a community with before there was truly a, a huge fintech community? Yes, absolutely. And we will dig a bit more into that, the, the relationship building. So Christina, um, the word community is in your title at This Week in Fintech. So we know you have a bit to say around this. And you have a super interesting background. So what are your thoughts around partnerships and how they feed into community? I mean, I think it's imperative at this point to do really anything in fintech. If I think about even the unit ecosystem, right? Like you're using Plaid to link the account to fund the new unit bank account. And then let's say you want to do push to card. You're using Astra. And then if you want to move the money internationally, you're using currency cloud, right? And like all of these little pieces actually have to come together to create this working functioning product for customers that want to do a lot of things. And I mean, I used to work at Plaid, have a lot of friends there. It's fun to still work with them today. And to Cyrus's point, I think a lot of these relationships and partnerships and alliances in fintech do happen, you know, out and about in the wild, meeting folks who are working on something interesting that's tangential or adjacent to what you're trying to solve. Um, So I think partnerships are critical to success in this space. I don't think any one company can really like go it alone. Yeah. Well, and I, and and partnerships do help grow that community. The word community is a, a little bit maybe overused these days. Um, I think it is super valuable, but uh, like using it in context um, in in, the, in a real way, um, I think partnerships is, is, is part of that um, for sure. Okay, so Events are my love language. <laughs> I mean, truly. So I'd like to chat about how truly substantive relationships are formed in these face-to-face environments. I actually wrote my master's thesis on face-to-face versus online communication within the context of trade shows. So I have research on it. I have, you know, I have my own personal experience having, um, you know, served in basically every role from, uh, or, you know, of the people that I surveyed. Uh, and so I just think that, and I used to work in sales and that's how I got all of my, all of my business. So you both met our VGS head of marketing, Stefan Slattery at events, not on the trade show floor, but in networking opportunities in the evenings at different events on opposite coasts um, at different times. So that's really what brought you here today. So I, I do think that that speaks to what you both, you know, kind of just mentioned. So I have a couple questions around this for you both. So first, how do you think truly substantive relationships, you know, which may lead to sales, may lead to partnerships, may simply lead to friendships, as you said, um, that may lead to you being um, a guest on a podcast and business down the line? How do you think they're established at events? And then the follow on, are they best fostered in scheduled meetings or is it the serendipity in fintech that, that, where these, where this magic really happens. Christina, why don't you go first? Yeah, I would say I think you need both. Um, and at every conference and trade show I go to, of course, I try to pre-plan some meetings and schedule the, the slots and the time with folks that I know I need to see, um, that I'm excited to catch up with about specific, you know, business items. But then I think there's beauty in serendipity, right? Like Stefan was someone who I, you know, I think met at one of our FinTech Week events last year. And it was just ironic that he described what BGS is without saying BGS. And I responded, oh, so you work at BGS. And he goes, how do you know what BGS is? And I was like, well, I work at UNIT. We use BGS, right? And so it's just that kind of, you know, certain, but it's like, oh my gosh, do you get what I do because you you are a customer of mine or you use my product? And that's such like a fun, beautiful moment. And, you know, 
for Stefan and I, we were both already in like obviously a business partnership at that point. So that meeting was just a little bit more, what's exciting to you? Who can I introduce you to? How can I help? What's top of mind? And like now he's just this great, you know, friend and contact that I have in the industry. And we've bounced up off each other before. Um, and I was totally serendipitous, right? Never planned to meet him or run into him. So I think it's a good combination of making those meetings happen that you need to advance, you know, your business or your product forward, but also carving out space and going to events with no agenda to just see who will turn up and see what might come out of that conversation even years down the line. You never know. Yeah. And being open and saying yes, because I, I, the way he tells it too, you you just said you were going somewhere and you want to come with. And he's like, sure. And then and then his his story from there to to that moment that you had that conversation, um, it would be d- interesting to see how different you two would tell that part of it. But the other part, he told exactly the same. So that's really funny. Sarah, what do you think? Week has so many. It just has so many events going on that, you know, you end up just rallying a crew at each one and bumping from the next one to the next to the next. And it's it's a good time. Awesome. Sorry. What do you think? Uh, I mean, I, 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 we just want to echo exactly what Christina kind of said, actually. I think for me, like sometimes that initial meeting, especially if you're meeting through someone or someone, if there's someone that you haven't necessarily connected with, sometimes it's nice to have that scheduled meeting just so that you have a pre-planned event where you can make the introduction before you, you know, start having like, for me, my favorite, some of my favorite memories, especially at events that are super fintechy, like money 2020, they occur at like the crafts table at 2 a.m. with, you know, a bunch of your VCs standing around the table. I recall when I met Stefan, uh, we were standing outside of a restaurant or maybe it was in the restaurant even. I can never quite figure out exactly what is and isn't a restaurant in Vegas. But um, but we were standing near a restaurant. We were restaurant adjacent. And he actually told me he worked at VGS. And from back in my days at H.M. Bradley, I was like, I remember those bills. Um, and that was kind of, he just happened to be standing in close proximity to my girlfriend and I, who we, that's all we were doing was like cycling through more and more people, just meeting random people by bumping elbows with them, sitting next to them at tables. And I don't know, I think that's part of the fun of it. And that's part of the fun of, of this particular community is that we are all social people and we all are, we are all definitely people that love to help one another. So I know Stefan's paying me for things before and I've had the opportunity to help him. And elevate him to other partners that he was looking to meet or vice versa. And it's definitely been the case with, for example, Nick at This Week in Fintech. Anytime I've ever asked Nick a question, he's wealth of knowledge who will immediately plug me into the right person. And I think that ability to be a connector is so critical to being uh, one of those very, very important partners. I love it. Yeah. The, the, we could, I know we all have a million stories, but I just loved that he was telling me how he had met each of you. And he said, wait a minute, this is actually, this could be the, the, like a really good piece of this conversation is like how, um, how that all went down. Um, and it does, it just speaks to leaving room for, for serendipity. You should plan and you should follow up. Of course, follow up is crucial and it's something that doesn't happen actually quite enough following, um, following trade shows. So, I love that, that we're all talking here today because of those experiences. Very cool. Okay, so the fintech space, let's talk about innovation um, a little bit. It's boomed with innovation. So I want to talk a little bit about where you think the next round of big ideas is from. Is, is it from big fancy trips planned for execs, you know, getting flown into Aspen? 
or are they still, you know, kind of like being written on, on a bar napkin, you know, and that kind of thing. Sarah, what do you think? So I consistently, when I'm hanging out at events or whatever, I, I end up somehow like being the dumbest person in the room and just kind of listening to what everyone else is saying. But that's usually not what I'm ideating. It's usually when I'm absorbing what other people are telling me, pulses that they feel in the market. I mean, this last week with the tragedy of what's going on with SVB, really listening to some of my friends and partners that have been affected by what's going on. And then the moments where I have like little aha, like I just figured something out. It's usually when I'm by myself and more often than not, it's when I'm incredibly bored. So I typically don't, I need like a vacation where nobody can talk to me. Nobody can reach me. It's hard for me to get on Slack. And in that space is when I personally am created, but I feel that it definitely shifts from person to person. And I think it's a very personal, it's a very personal thing, like to figure out when you want to innovate, but I don't typically innovate in front of others because I don't, I don't know how, I guess. Okay. That's fair. Christina, what do you think? So my answer is a little different. I think I'm fortunate to sit in a position at unit where every day I'm speaking to founders who are tackling certain problems. And with that comes like a very consultative role from me, right? And they know that I've probably spoken to founders that are in similar shoes to them earlier that morning, the day before, the week before, the month before, the year before. So between my time at Plan and my time at Unit in these like fintech consultative partnership strategic roles, I've learned a ton from these founders and these you know product leaders. And I think it's almost always on those calls where they've got this pain point and they're like, do you have a solution for this? Or do you, what do you think about this? Or how can we do that? Where I'm like, oh man, like maybe we've got something and it's awesome and there's a great fit and then we end up working together. But other times I'm like, should I go build that? Is that the company I should go found? Like maybe that's my next job. Um, so I find that it's through these conversations and then taking away, you know, the pain points or the problems of the, the builders out there and really thinking about what could fix that or who out there is working on that. And then I connect with them and I'm like, hey, there's a lot of support for what you're building. Like how can I help either invest or advise or even just share that like hey keep going because what you're doing is needed and there's demand for it in the market i love that and that and from that could kind of come a you know a bar napkin situation but also like the founders of egs they had another product and it was people had a pain point they said well could you just do this and then that's that's how really the backbone of of the vgs product came to be was from exactly that from, from pain points the customers were having. So interesting. I love this. All right. So, uh, Sarah, you mentioned Money 2020, which just keeps growing and growing and growing. So I, I want to talk a little bit about what you think, and, and it's subjective. I get that. But just in general, talking about what, what you think the greatest value comes out of events. Is it, is it like where you're, there's more value in a smaller environment where it's a bit more intimate and maybe your company may be a big fish in a small pond in terms of events or is it the mega events the large pond small fish oh that's so that's so tough a little bit of both i guess is the best way to put that i mean there are so many moments where it's super fun to do you know a closed dinner with just a few people to share ideas to talk about sentiment i think that's something that's come out a lot more prevalently, especially this year when people are cutting back on budgets and um, staying a little bit more local to in terms of events. And and prior to that, and even now still, I also think there's a lot of effect that you could have both with within like building networks and building relationships at the larger events as well. 
And I mean, even those events, like, I mean, Money 2020 has some fabulous closed door events as well, specifically for different niches and different pockets within the space. And that's like one of so many incredible events. I mean, you guys are going to another one next week. I'm just frankly too fat to fit in any of my dresses, so I won't be rolling in. But but it's why, you know, it's one of those things where you you just, I don't know, I, I would be curious to hear what both of you think, because from my perspective, I think that I've gained, I gained something different at both, but they both tend to be beneficial for, at least in my experience. Yeah. And she's pregnant, by the way, friends. That's why she said that. <laughs> <laughs> you missed the pre-call, but that's, I don't want to give that some context. <laughs> Christina, what are your thoughts? So I think it depends a little bit on the company stage and size, right? Because if you're super early and you're reaching out cold to all these folks that you want to meet and they're like, what is this company name? I've never heard of the Christina company. Okay. You're probably not going to get as much traction, but if you go to a money 2020 and like shout out to James and Remy on that team, I love the two of them. They do some incredible work. That conference is like perfection. You know, you can just see a name tag of someone that you've been reaching out to forever and dying to talk to. And like, not that I am a proponent of cornering people in Vegas, but it's pretty hard. It's it's pretty hard if you walk up to someone with a smiley face and like actual value that you can add to their company to not at least, you know, be able to bend their ear for 30 seconds a minute. And, you know, maybe that will turn into nothing and there is no fit or they don't have budget. And that's fine because what salespeople love most is a no instead of a maybe. But it could, well, we love a yes the most, obviously, but it could turn into a really organic partnership down the line. And had you not both been at Money 2020 or at FinTech Meetup or whatever conference it might be, that interaction is just a lot harder to like foster online or to create without a warm intro, like Syra mentioned from folks in the ecosystem, like Nick, who is always happy to, you know, fire off an email for us. So that's, I think, the big value of those large conferences and I still do think there's a lot of value in the intimate events. Like something that I'm working on at this week in fintech, like specifically this year, is certainly like the curated community and making a small group of women or a small group of CTOs or a small group of like a certain type of person to come together and really feel comfortable in that more intimate environment. Because not everyone is comfortable at our 400 person, you know, New York fintech week happy hour. That can be a lot for an introverted person, and we're trying to make sure all of our events are supportive and fostering relationships for every kind of person in fintech. Well, that I guess that brings a good point, having opportunities, even because 400 sounds small to me, but it depends on if it's only a two-hour event, it's a happy hour, that's different, right? Versus a 400-person, three-day conference. I, I like the smaller because you continue to see the same people, and then you can foster deeper relationships with those people because of that smaller environment. Uh, the larger I find that you can go a whole time without seeing someone, right? Or you know how it is too. Like you see one, you see someone and then you're going to see them for the rest of the time, but there can be a whole bunch of people that you don't ever even see once. So I, I think that it's harder, at least in the trade show environment, it can be harder to, to get deep, deeper connections um, than, than on a smaller show. Like that there, obviously there is value to both. Um, but it does take also being smart about your plans, you know, right. So trying to set up meetings in advance and, and that kind of thing to, to make sure that you would at least see a handful of the people that you know, that you definitely, um, want to see up front. So I want to talk about kind of like what, what area in this space do you think has the most opportunity for growth and innovation talking, you know, payments, fintech, 
data security um, is it banks? And without obviously going down, uh, we don't want to go down a rabbit hole on 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 that um, front. But is it security? Is it in accessibility, meaning access, you know, access for all, or is it you know potentially something else? Christina, you want to go first this time? Sure. I think there was this view, you know, a year ago or so that everyone should be a bank and we should keep springing up all these neo banks or all these different use cases and communities of purposes and. You know, I think there will be winners and I think there's need for a lot of them, but I don't know that every single one needs to feel like they are a bank. And so I feel like, at least for me on the unit side, something we've really focused on is like flipping the switch from the fintech companies that need to be using all these fintech products to thinking about like what large, just broader tech companies and even not tech companies that have an opportunity for something like embedded finance. So when I think about the different vertical SaaS companies I'm speaking to now, I mean, it is everyone from, you know, gig economy workers, rideshare drivers, rental home, you know, property owners. So at Unit, we're focusing on all these different vertical SaaS companies with a variety of use cases from, you know, hosts who are renting out their homes to gig economy workers to drivers at rideshare companies um, to legal case management firms where they're trying to modernize the law that they follow in terms of their software. And so I think it's getting those historically less techie companies brought into this fintech ecosystem that Tessira and I now feel so second nature and showing them that there is a, a safer way, a less fraudulent way, a faster way, a better way, a more tech forward way to do what they're doing with paper checks or with Excel spreadsheets or with, you know, paper and pen. Yeah, well, I, I think in, in innovation, a lot of times the, the, com- the competitor isn't a competing software product. It's the way we've always done it. So to your point of, you know, Excel, especially in the event management space, like planners love their spreadsheets, but there's definitely more efficient ways to do things. Uh, Syra, what do you think? At first, I just want to say I love what Christina said. Coming from a neobank, I have very strong opinions there and I hear her on that on so many levels. I mean, what a time to be a neobank right now. But me personally, I think it's, there's this idea of access and I think it's less access to me at this point than it is. How do we educate people that have the access about the safety within certain products? How do we get them on the same level in terms of wealth building and understanding the nuance behind our financial system because so much of what goes on within our financial system is complicated. I come from an immigrant background. My parents had no idea what they were doing when they got here. Everything in my life that I have ever done, including my career, has had to do with trying to understand debt markets because my parents have been so intensely debt averse and risk averse generally, and it impacted me growing up. So. I think having some type of hurdle that's beyond just financial literacy and beyond just access and giving people the ability to like easily get to a wealth building mode is kind of where my brain has been going recently. And, and definitely one of the reasons I joined Fundrise and most certainly part of my personal life goals is to start preaching that out to people that haven't necessarily figured out exactly how to maneuver our financial system. I love that. And actually, that's a really good segue. I had a bonus question. I'm totally going to answer it now. I wasn't sure if I was going to. But let's talk about financial literacy. It was And it was your bio that kind of got me thinking about this. And the way you just mentioned it to super valid adults need to know 
how the system works. But w- what about starting younger? And I, I know things evolve. And like if if we learned in school, it would be totally different, right, from what is happening now. So keeping up on it is something is something different. But I wanted to hear your thoughts on financial literacy. Like how how do you how do you think how could like children or younger people be better armed with an understanding of finance in general, I guess, um, before they really need to know to put it in play into practice in, in the real world. And then I, the next layer of that, of course, would be learning about the nuance of, of, of fintech and all of that kind of stuff. Sarah, what do you what do you think? Uh, I mean, for what it's worth, I think there's some really cool stuff being built in the fintech space. They have green light. We have, uh, I'm drawing a blank on a handful of other suite of products that have been built specifically targeting having essentially a custodial account for your children that will teach them budgeting, that will teach them how to get an allowance and actually spend it in a wiser manner through the access of their phone. So it's something that feels familiar to them. So I think that's a great first step that I do wish that I had had as a child. But as for like doing that in a significantly impactful way beyond just like something in an app, like if somebody is coming into the US and, you know, doesn't know how to utilize the system. Obviously, I have a pain point there when it comes to immigrants. There's this like other aspect of like how do we get them integrated into the system without a credit score, without some type of an international credit score, right? So that they can see that they actually had loans in a prior country, a prior life that they could easily bring over this way. I mean, there's infrastructure as well that we could be leveraging that would help us in terms of leveling the playing field instead of telling every person that comes into the country, you have to start over from zero. And and I think that's like both at, for a child's education, which obviously involves full financial literacy from them, for them from childhood forward. And then in addition to that, the stability for, for fully grown adults that would like to succeed here to be able to have that ability as well. If anybody's listening, make that product. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Christina, what do you think? Yeah, I think people are working on that product. Like I know I was just speaking with a company that's working on MBA students that are international, you know, and they come over and they're these incredible students at Harvard and Stanford and they can't open U.S. bank accounts. And like, that's crazy, right? Like they're going to be some of, you know, the brightest minds working on the biggest problems here in the U.S. and we're not even willing to give them a checking account. Like it's nuts. I do completely agree that starting young is so important. I'm good friends with Taylor at Till. You know, they're all about banking um, for kids. Then there's Moss, which is a client of ours. That's all about banking for students. There's a lot of work to be done. Like the fact that we learn geometry, but not how to write a check. You know, it's crazy. It's really crazy that some of these lifelong skills that are necessary to just survive in this financial world that we live in today is, is not taught in the classroom. So I completely agree that there's a lot that FinTech can do. And I mean, even thinking about how Plaid gives access to all of those financial institutions. So someone can make a budget. Someone can use the infrastructure to link a bank account from your mom and dad's bank to create your own bank. So you can start learning what it's really like to save and, you know, to think ahead and start putting money away for college and other like big life milestones, I think is like one of the many positive use cases about FinTech. And it's, it's a good reminder that like there are a lot of companies out there that are using fintech for good and to hopefully help the future of this country and improve things like financial literacy, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. All right. So we have a standing question we're going to ask every guest moving forward. I would like to know who's a person or company out there that you're following or that you think is making waves 
in fintech or payments? Sarah, you want to go first? And it can't be your own company. I would love to. <laughs> I, oh, <laughs> caveat. I, you know, as much as my boss would love for me to say that, I, you know, I, I did think about this question because obviously you sent us these prior. Uh, I thought it was question a lot, and honestly, some of the the one company that sticks out to me in terms of character, in terms of founders, in terms of the product itself, just being outstanding as I've experienced it personally through companies that I've worked for is Alloy. I love Laura. I love Tommy. I think they're phenomenal human beings. They're just so good at what they do. They have an incredible product. Their team is incredibly thoughtful. They have built an excellent culture and could go on, but they just have upstanding character as humans. I would be Laura, if she ever listens to this, uh, I would be like good friends with her if we lived in the same town. I mean, she is they're, they're just great people. So that would be that would be my choice. Awesome. What about you, Christina? You have a really good choice there. I agree with everything Sarah just said. I love the Alloy team as well. Partners at Unit and just overall good friends with their team. My answer would definitely be uh, Jen Arnold at Minerva AI. Different use case. But what I think is really interesting is if you heard in our bios, like Sarah and I both started on the trading floor and we had these kind of archaic stodgy historically sorry to offend anyone like old white dude jobs and we pivoted into you know this more modern and inclusive and interesting world of fintech and jen's story is also similar because she started at wells fargo saw all of these issues with aml at the banks and then set out to solve that problem with ai and i know that ai is this buzzy sexy word right now but i really think that what she's doing is very unique and is solving a big problem and she's got customers like coinbase and Binance that are using Minerva to solve them. And so I think she's someone that I definitely look up to in the in the industry, and I'm excited to see where Minerva goes. Wonderful. I, I love that. That was a woman example. I think that things are, it's a very male-dominated space, obviously, but I, I have seen a lot of really top-notch women on stages at these conferences, people like yourselves that are making waves and doing great things. So happy Women's History Month, y'all. Thank you so much, both of you, for your insights and um, really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much, Megan. Thank you, Megan. All right, friends, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with someone you think would get value from it. We have launched, you know, this is season two where we're still a young little podcast, but we're going to do big things. And so um, we appreciate you all listening to Descoped today, and we will catch you next time. Thanks for tuning in to Descoped, the payment security podcast from VGS. For more insights, practical advice, and the latest trends in payment security, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast app or check us out at verygoodsecurity.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.